the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. This is a state of control, episode 19, recorded Thursday, April 9th, 2015. Modern approaches to control systems design. This is a state of control, the monthly look at control and automation uh, in the AV space. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Uh, with us this month is Steve Greenblatt, uh, Chief Everything at Control Concepts. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. How about you? How's things? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, also with us is Rich Fregosa uh, from FregosaDesign.com. How are you, sir? Mellow, state of emergency, we have no water greetings from the West Coast. But other than that, we're great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ooh, that was inauspicious. You have some water, correct? Uh, some, yes. All right. Uh, also with us is Brad Grimes, uh, no stranger to these parts. Uh, he is the uh, edit editor-in-chief, is that right? Uh, sort of. Director sort of. of Editorial Operations. Director of Editorial, there we go, at Infocom International. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Tim is new, so and he ha I love his name, so be nice to him, guys. Uh, <laughs> his name is Tim Cape. Uh, CTSD and the Principal Consultant at Technitech. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. We're full of pollen down here in Atlanta right now. Oh, goody. <laughs> you can keep it, brother. You can yeah. Keep it. Uh, all right, so so here's here's an interesting one. Th th this one is, um, I'm not going to say it's special, because all of them, all the shows are special. Uh, <laughs> but Tim, uh, Steve, and, and myself, um, we were involved uh, in a white paper. Uh, at Infocom, and actually, uh, it was very uh, um, uh, pleasantly surprised when when I was invited to this. I've never, I had never been, I've never been involved in writing a white paper for Infocom. Uh, the top, the, the title of the white paper is uh, "Modern Approaches to Control System Design," and it, it's first of all, it was an interesting experience, right? Uh, you've got a number of folks. You've got folks from Crestron, AMX, Extron. You have consultants like Tim. Uh, you've got control folks like like Steve and myself and, and Howard Nunez from from Pepperdash, so it was an it was an interesting cross section. Uh, David Barnett, our, our buddy who's been on the, the show a couple times, he's also a consultant. He was on this task force as well, so it was it was probably about a four or five month process with all of us kind of writing different things and, and taking our own uh, you know our own little sections and, and, and putting our our uh, our input. And then all of us, as a group, obviously took a look at the at the entire document and, and made our, our 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 you know comments on on what everybody else had written. So what we kind of want to do on on this episode is take a look at at the process, take a look at the document, and um, we're going to get Rich's uh, comments from from someone who wasn't on the task force, and someone who obviously knows a lot about control, and also Brad uh, from Infocom standpoint as as to why. So Brad, actually, we'll we'll start off with you. As Infocom and as the organization, over 10 years ago now, uh, Infocom created probably one of the preeminent, pre, uh, preeminent documents called Dashboard Control. 
And it's something that I used when I was in education, uh, writing RFPs. It's something that I use now as I manage programmers, and, and it's, it's a way for us to, to keep consistency. This document, though, is not a, a, a redo of that. It's kind of a build on that. So from Infocom's standpoint, you know, why take a look at this now, um, you know, again, almost 10 years later after, after Dashboard? Well, as you alluded to, the, the Dashboard, which was a fantastic document, um, came out before there was such thing as an iPad or before anybody wanted to control a, a room system from their phone or anything like that. Um, it's an important part of what Infocom does education-wise. People teach using the dashboard. Like you said, uh, people learn from the dashboard. It was a, an important document, and it was a, a big document. Tim, Tim Cape knows all about that. It was, you know, he was deeply involved in the, uh, the dashboard design. Um, and so what happened, um, I guess the end of last year, uh, was, you know, folks in our education department who are always designing curriculum around, uh, you know, a lot of our assets were looking at uh, the dashboard and saying, you know, we don't want to completely overhaul it right now. A lot of what's in the dashboard is still very applicable today, um, but we want to um, ask folks in the industry to give us a little bit of uh, a take on how you might in uh, how you might inject some of the modern issues into um, control systems design, and that was the uh, the impetus for this paper. Uh, we grabbed a lot of the folks who worked on the original dashboard. We grabbed some folks who, um, you know, had fresh perspectives. Um, there are, there were, like you said, a lot of people involved from all sectors of the AV industry, and um, this is by no means supposed to be the end all be all in control systems design. But it is supposed to raise some issues that obviously folks like yourself uh, have to keep in mind when they're when they're integrating control systems today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, I want to take the yours from the consultant standpoint um, because some of the interesting conversations, and I learned an awful lot as much as I gave in this process, is learning from folks like yourself uh, and in Howard Nunez and, and like I said, David Bar uh, Barnett. From your standpoint, you know. What kind of what value do you think a, a document like this brings, not only the industry but but some of the folks that we talked about during this process, the, the the true end users? Well, I think it has a lot of benefits, as Brad alluded to, and one of them is, uh, from my perspective, is it can bring a lot of structure to how the industry can think about control systems and control system design and the process of both delivering the control system as part of the overall AV process. Uh, as well as just um, how to uh, allocate resources and expertise to, to address the specific parts of the process that a lot of times got overlooked in terms of uh, separating out the expertise that was required. You know, one of the big things, and it's always been a problem in the industry, it's getting a lot better now, is that the AV integrators would just throw a set of drawings at a programmer and say, here, design a control system. And uh, if they were a good programmer, you might get great code, but they might be a bad user interface designer. Yeah. Uh, the opposite can also be true. It's just, you know, it's hard to find somebody who's got all the, the necessary skills in one place. So part of the benefit is to help people think about uh, the different aspects of control system design in a modern setting, and we've also highlighted in the paper some of the uh, other things that were not addressed in the dashboard and some of the things that are new to the control system design process that weren't there a few years ago, as, as Brad talked about. Yeah. Uh, Rich, from, from someone who I, I continue to learn from, 
Uh, but you weren't part of this process, so I want to get your your input from this. Um, you know, what? I guess the best way to ask is is from someone who, you know, the folks who, who wrote it would ask someone who's who's downloading it and reading it for the first time. Um, you know, we would ask that you know we you kind of take a look at it and and you know, put some of the these practices into place. What kind of impact is that going to have on on the customers on on your clients on a day to day basis? Um, <clears throat> I think it really comes down to kind of a project basis. Um, information is always good, and uh, consistent information is even better. Uh, one of the things that constantly we still have, you know, 25 years later, is what is it you do? What what does this system do? Uh, it, it, literally, I mean, you will still get that question. You'll get a new technology manager comes in, a new facilities person who comes in. These are people who don't have experience yet with our industry. They're being put in a position from a commercial standpoint. You know, they're they're now running this building, <laughs> and so they're drinking from the fire hose. And sometimes the first question is, okay, well, what is some of the stuff that I'm now responsible for? What do they do? Um, I think that uh, you know, more than anything else, it it allows a at least a consistent language that we can all try working within a framework. Um, you know, I, I, everything starts somewhere. I mean, the IEEE started out with everybody kind of getting together, saying, "Hey, we need to we need to find a way to to at least be consistent with one another." And then from there became a standard. Not to say that this is a standard, but at least it's a step in the right direction. It's the it's walking away from you know uh, it being the wild west and everybody did it their own way and everybody had their secret sauce and you know they they had to kind of pitch why you know we are the ones who are the only ones who can do this and the market change and i think that a document like this helps the market in terms of reinforcing that collaboration is more important and being unified as an industry is more more important because if we can all um, at least somewhat align behind a process um, it makes it easier in the bid process and in apples oranges comparison. Um, it, it just it streamlines the process for everybody and even for smaller companies who don't have a project manager. They don't have somebody who's a production manager. You know, some of the smaller houses. It gives them the ability to up their game as much as it does for a large house. You know, a large software house or a design build house to be able to say, this is how we can maintain our brand consistency throughout and also support industry standards. Because again, it's it's. We're only going to be as strong as the alignments we create with one another. And like I said before, the days of the Old West and just everybody doing their own thing, it's not productive because the rest of the tech industry has completely surpassed that. And so if we don't, we find ourselves potentially being the odd man out. Um, so I, I, I think it's necessary. I think that it was, it's, it's a smart move. It, it was time. <laughs> to do it because the dashboard was a great was a, a great document and a great approach. But a lot's changed in ten years. I mean, we're there. Like uh, like uh, Brad was saying, is that there was stuff that didn't even exist when the dashboard came about, and and we have to stay current as well. Um, we are in the tech industry, so it's kind of important. Uh, yes, a, a little bit. Uh, Steve, I'm I'm gonna delve into something that because because Rich brought it up, so I can blame him. Um, and that's that's the S word. Uh, that's the the standard word. Um, a lot has been written uh, over. Good Lord, the last 10 years at least. Uh, not only the word convergence, right, but uh, comparing the AV industry to the IAT industry. A and Rich brought up the IEEE. There are a number of standards. There are a number of best practices in the, in the IT world. Is this document maybe a good conversation starter? 
for creating a standard uh, in in control? I don't know if a standard is probably going to be end up being something that would be a good fit, but because of what we do has so much creativity. Uh, however, a guideline I think could might be a better term for it. Uh, I, I think similar to what Rich is saying, we needed to 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 really document the foundation of what we do to be able to give everybody a a cursory understanding of what goes into control systems and what goes into programming and user interface design and and the dashboard I think played a great role uh, for us to have something to point to when we're speaking with a client and saying that what we're offering you we didn't just make up today and this is not something that we just do this is what our industry has adopted and this is uh, the the guideline that has been offered from the, our, our industry association. Uh, it's not the only way to do it, but it, it gave them a lot of confidence in knowing that, that what we're doing it follows a some type of industry best practice. Uh, that was only one part of it, and now what, what, with this exercise we got into uh, a lot of the other components of what we do. Um, so I think that what what we're documenting here, uh, m you know, and and being that we we all collaborated on it, we could all agree that there are a lot of commonalities in the way we do what we do, and I think that so, so I don't know that you know a standard I think is something that's more that's more of a pass fail, but a guideline is something that can be followed and interpreted. So so that would be what I think w would probably be a, a good fit for for what would help to provide structure for, for control system design and, and programming and so forth. Do you think, Steve, we'll, we'll keep with you on this, do you think we're, we're scared of the word standard in, in the industry, um, especially when it comes to, to control uh, folks? Because, yes, there's a lot of creativity, uh, but the argument could be made, you know, that folks who program in Python and Ruby on Rails are just as creative and, and have, you know, unique little ways to do it, but there are still... Um, there are still benchmarks and standards in in, in those areas. Uh, possibly, <laughs> you know, I, I think that I think it's it's still very new to us in, in our industry, and it's something that we've only, uh, you know, and, and I was involved in the energy management standard. Uh, it, it's still something that we've only been able to come up with a handful of them and uh, in there they take a lot of time to do and and uh, I think that they require a lot of compliance so it, it's it, it uh, I, I, I do think that, it, that it's something that pre presents a challenge for our industry well you're, you're gonna have an economy of scale sorry I, I just want to jump I mean this is if you think about it this is the equivalent of you guys re creating an app guide and and I feel that it's you know kind of the the backdoor approach of saying, look, you are we're now pushing you into so the software world, which I you know, God knows that you know, I've never said that we need to be software developers uh, <laughs> instead of hardware developers, but but this is if you pull up um, you know again, and we're not dealing with the scale of like a hundred million devices coming out this quarter, but if you pull up um, you know in a developers forum in Apple or, or Android, um, you can pull down documents which say if you're going to make an app. Here are the things that we normally do. 
And then as a developer, what you were talking about, Steve, which was the creative side, which is what they bring to it, they can either choose to work with it or they can go off on off the rails and, and do it their own way. But at that point, it's a conscious effort to be completely different than what pretty much everybody else is doing. And so this document, I feel, is that first one which is just saying, you know, Truly, you you're you're you are becoming whether you want to or not app developers, and you need to start looking at that way of doing things because the rest of the tech community is is moving in that direction. Yeah, and I want to jump in on the standards thing too because uh, that's I think we have to think about that uh, carefully because I think on the um, performance side, which is where Infocom has been focused in terms of ANSI standards, it's it's a different look at what standards are and it's a lot harder I think to come up with performance level standards that are related to control. Uh, there's a few things that might be uh, applicable like uh, button sizes and fonts and spacing and number of clicks to get do functions, things like that that we might be able to come up with but um, it's kind of like, I think of it in terms of like interior design where uh, in, in the architectural world where uh, there's no standard for good design. People are they're creative and they make good designs, but there are standards for how high a counter should be and what types of furniture should be, uh, you know, what size furniture should be and how wide corridors need to be and things like that. Same thing with the ADA. So there's certain parts of the fundamentals that could be uh, put out there, but I think for what is normally done in control system design, uh, what we have is a really good guideline and a best practice. And like I say, it's the, it gives a structure to how people think about control systems and control system design. And one of the things that I hope this document will do is to help people in the industry, no matter what role they play, if they're a consultant or an integrator or a control system programmer or an end user, uh, to ask the right questions. Um, how how is the system getting done? And oh, how, who's going to find out what our needs are to be able to create the control system and the AV system? And uh, questions like that. So I'm not sure a standard is going to be appropriate, but definitely as a best practice, I think that's the, the way we should go. All right. Uh, I, I, one more question on the standard, and I'll, I'll get off of it. Um, Brad, this is to you. Tim mentioned the fact that you know, as an organization and, and where Infocom has been headed is more performance-based, right? Mm -hmm. um, is this something where, where Infocom should um, take, a, take, a, take a look and say, you know what, guys, there's, there's some best practices here, whether it's taking off of this document or, or something else, and saying, let's, let's create a standard here. Um, well, we currently are not. I mean, there's not a control systems standard in the works. Um, just to clarify, a performance standard, you know, we, we pursue performance standards as opposed to, say, technology standards like the IEEE does. Um, you know, the performance standards is, is how a system should operate. It's basically um, how the client gets what the client wants in the end, and that's what it's about. Um, control systems could go down that path, I, I would imagine. What, what I like about the document and what the, the group put together is that it, it really is sort of best practice process focused. Um, I like that while it's written for people who do control systems design, you can hand it to an end user and an end user gets something out of it because they understand the questions that need to be asked, they understand the decisions that go into a system. Um, there's still lots of ways to do control systems, as, as we all know. I mean, there will always be the client who wants a very elaborate, very custom uh, control system. 
uh, and there will be the client who you know wants something configuration based something that's you know doesn't require all of that um, but the important thing is is how you understand how they arrive at that need and that requirement and how we in the industry deliver it to them and a document like this um, I like because you can print it out and you could give it to a to your client and it would be of as much value to them as it would be to a control systems designer or a programmer or somebody else um, that's talking around the subject could control systems design or, or aspects of it um, go down a standards path I, I suppose they could I mean there are probably a lot of things that we could standardize and uh, and make sure that everybody does so that they arrive at the right uh, uh, end result um, we're not currently pursuing it that way but um, as, as Tim alluded to you know standards take a lot of time and and uh, you know there's there's clearly a lot of ideas that we could we could build around this yeah absolutely they do, they do take quite a lot of time uh, like I said, this is this is uh, the first white paper I've ever been involved in, but I have a, a number of of colleagues who have been involved in those standard uh, those standard processes, and there are you know eight, nine, ten months, sometimes a year to, to right. the entire process. So, and I'd be remiss. I'm sorry, to interrupt. I'd be re right. if I didn't thank you and 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 Tim and Steve and everybody else who worked on this. Um, like you said, the standards sometimes take years. I mean. This is all volunteer-driven. These are these are folks who give their time and their expertise to Infocom and to each other and to the industry. And uh, if I didn't do it, and I know I didn't do it at the top of the show, I do want to thank everybody who was involved in this. I, I was told we were getting T-shirts. That's you know. <laughs> is that why you did it? Maybe a That's drink exactly at the show. You get three free, you get three free tickets to the Extron booth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> One thing that that I'll chime in on is that you know aside from a standard, it'd be great to be able to have some type of of learning uh, modules based on this type of material, so that we we can have some consistency in the way people the the way control systems are handled, managed, programmed, whatever it might be. And I think that 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 is probably one of the the drivers for something like this, and, and, and I can can imagine. I know that you know there was talk at some point about ha the idea of a CTSP, a programming um, a CTS designation. But but again, that that the the that the the ability to test to something like that is is such a challenge because of the diversity of what we have to know and and how it really isn't necessarily concrete or from from one specific area. So, so are you suggesting something like um, uh, one of the levels of one of the online courses? Or are you thinking of something more intimate and, and intricate like um, uh, the boot camp for, for CTSD or CTSI? Yeah, I, I would say you know, it's anything that we could do that isn't manufacturer related would be very valuable because I think the for anybody new getting into the industry, which is something that I think we're, we're all uh, challenged with and we're, we're all looking to pursue, there the ability to have get them trained and and have them trained in a in a way that ha, has a a uh, a common approach and 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 is not really steered in one direction or or influenced by by uh, any type one type of platform i think would be very valuable being that that there really isn't necessarily schooling for what we do and i think yeah, let me jump in here. The uh, just to uh, elaborate on that, what you said, Steve. I think that uh, there's a lot of things in the document that allow for. I mean, we as Brad said, it's sort of a cursory look in many ways, even though it's comprehensive in terms of the overview and 
the uh, control systems layer model that we have in there gives people a way to think about how to approach the control systems and address different parts of it. But uh, there's many points in this document, if you look at all the different topics and even all the little components of the control system layer model that one could deep dive into and create a whole course or series of courses just on some of those individual topics. There's a lot of places to go uh, from those, from all the way from uh, user interaction, navigation design, user interface design, certainly programming, platform selection, um, all the different aspects of interacting with the enterprise, as well as the upfront uh, part of how do you go about establishing what the needs are from the users and, and applying that to a system design. The, the whole point of this thing is not to tell you what the end should point should look like, what the end of the process should look like, but how to get to that best endpoint in the process for what the users need. And uh, this is exactly what will happen, exactly what Tim and Steve was talking about. I mean, this uh, Infocom has been spending a lot of resources and time over the last year or so taking all its knowledge from all its courses and all its white papers and all its standards and all its guides and putting them in uh, this uh, content management system, which we call a knowledge bank right now. Um, this white paper is already in there, and it's modular, modularized, if you will, it's componentized, um, just like uh, dashboards is in there. Uh, so that's exactly the point of this. So if, if we decide that uh, CTSD prep uh, requires some of this knowledge, it, you know, you, you build it right there. You build it on the fly. It gets added right into uh, existing coursework. If uh, if there was going to be a control systems design course of one way or another at a uh, remote location or at the show or somewhere else, it can be built out of this knowledge bank and it can take some of the best from dashboard and some of the best from the current white paper and build it together. Um, so that's exactly exactly what Steve and Tim were saying is what's going to happen with this kind of knowledge and we're going to do it with all the knowledge that we build whether it's in classes or in white papers or or anywhere else it becomes part of this knowledge bank so that we can always further um, the training that Infocom does for its members. Well, and here's the other thing is is I've actually you know sent uh, let some of my clients know um, that this is coming down the pipeline because they are actively recruiting salespeople who aren't necessarily from the industry and getting those people up to speed on what exactly a control system is, what it can do, uh, and, and, you know, the process of actually, you know, um, not engineering it, but, but pricing it correctly. Uh, you don't go in and say, you know, I can launch the space shuttle and it's only going to cost you 10 bucks, you know. <laughs> um, so that that's also important information as we educate uh, the next generation of, of AV professionals coming up behind us. So, uh, all right, let, let's take a look at it. We, we mentioned the, the dashboard for control an awful lot, uh, both in our conversations and in, in this, this episode today. Some of the things that, that have happened since early 2000s, which is when the original uh, dashboard was, was released, have changed. We've mentioned that, you know, the, the advent of, of mobile, the fact that you've got the capability of nearly every control system, and I say nearly because I don't want to say all, there's probably one or two that's not quite available on, on the mobile platform yet. Uh, Tim Cave, from, from that standpoint, what are some of the areas, um, whether it's design um, or it's your know, color uh, scheme, we, we talk about that and, and what colors work well with others, but what are some things that have, haven't changed, have not changed in the last 10 years or so? Um, that we really, as as a group, as as a as a uh, task force, didn't want to 
change from the dashboard? Well, I think uh, just to back up for a second, I think it's important to note for, for listeners who may not be familiar with these documents what the differences are because the dashboard for controls started out as more of a, a oriented towards the graphical design. Is how do you make control systems be like the dashboard of a car, common from screen to screen so that users can go between systems and navigate them effectively just like they do different cars and they don't have to look the same but navigationally they can be kind of the same. And a lot of that document had to do with that graphical aspect and there was a lot of reference uh, information in some of the uh, accompanying documents that talked about color and fonts and how we perceive things and um, that was really important information. That kind of thing really hasn't changed. Trying to create um, a guideline for navigational consistency and some of the fundamentals of how we perceive color and how we read a screen, how uh, we navigate control systems really hasn't changed uh, over that time because that's based on perception and use and that kind of thing. So what's in the new document is really, uh, as we've talked about, more about the process. We're not really, we don't have the information that's in dashboard in the new document. It's really more about the overview of everything that's in there. So uh, I think those fundamentals that haven't changed uh, are still applicable today of what we talked about 10 years ago. Um, there's a few new things that we didn't reference then uh, directly and how what the options are for creating a graphical user interface in terms of some of the interface elements that uh, uh, that are beyond just the, the button. And uh, so that's changed a little bit, but the fundamentals are pretty much the same. Um, obviously, the things that have changed have to do primarily, I think, with mobility and with enterprise uh, that we've had to deal with, and that's what we've tried to bring in, among other things, with the new document. All right. Uh, Steve, from, from your standpoint, um, what are some of the things that, that we probably haven't haven't touched in the last 10 years? The, that, that we haven't touched uh, in, in terms of... Um, I think that the the room applications and and, and the what we we've, we've actually done, what what we do this for has remained the same from a local perspective. We're we're still programming for boardrooms and conference rooms and classrooms and residences and and so forth. Some of the the equipment and the technology that we work with ha, is a little different, but the. Um, the, the 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 applications that we're working with are the same, and and the user interfaces are are, are fairly the same. You know, there we have different sizes, and 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 uh, and, and maybe there's uh, with, with the advent of mobile, there's uh, different types of interactions, but the 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 uh, the human interface. Design and, and approach is pretty much consistent, and, and that's something that probably won't change, and the color theory won't change, and and uh, you know, be know, knowing how to design a user interface. For the most part, when we all looked at the dashboard document, we said, really, you know, aside from updating and taking out the references to VCRs and and document cameras and 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 uh, slide projectors, you know, we we you know everything is pretty much. Uh, Status quo. So uh, you know, and that and that was very comforting, I think. Uh, and and you know, what 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 was really interesting about looking forward with with the, this new document is is all the ideas that we're able to pull together as to what does the future look like and and what is what is it that we currently do. And and everybody kind of had a little bit of a different spin on it because the 
the AV control systems have become so so diverse. I think uh, in in what they're capable of. All right, uh, Rich. From from your standpoint, and from someone who who wasn't involved in this process, and and you're an outsider looking in, what are uh, what do you think there are some areas that um, that we that we didn't hit on that that we might should have, um, or are still developing, and maybe it's it's one of those things where we we need to keep an eye on them, uh, and maybe address it again in a year or two. I think, and and uh, again, it's it's something that I I actively campaign about. I think we need to be careful about being too insular and focusing just on who we are and our industry as a control industry. Um, in terms of the document, it's it's when the dashboard came out, when when the documents, when the ways that we've done things have come out, the, the mobile device didn't exist. You know, we, the touch panel was the only game in town. You know, the LED, you know, the keypad with the inset LED was the only game in town. That was your only entrance point to um, the boardroom control or the executive, uh, you know, the, the, or the, the, the knock or anything like that. That, that was it. You, you pretty much had that. We have to be careful because the manufacturers and everybody who we're working with, they've already come up with their own apps at this point, their own interfaces for mobile, for tablet, for PC, for web interface. And they're all different. <laughs> and they're all working on their, again, where, where in the old days, you know, you had your, your physical remote control was your secret sauce, right? You know, some of them had eight buttons, some of them had 255 buttons, and some of them had LCD screens, and then 255 buttons. And and that was where um, the vendors kind of shot out and decided to differentiate themselves. We're seeing that all over again, but the difference is it's in a handheld device, whether it's the tablet or it's 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 a phone or anything else. So that so the the user the user psychology has changed. And, and that's constantly where I keep coming back to. You know, they're interfacing with devices that are in their hands all the time, 24-7, to try to convince somebody to use something that they're already used to and that's convenient for them. Um, we need to focus more on that, on how can we align ourselves more with IT? How can we align ourselves more with standard app development? How can we align ourselves with all of the different things that are already out there that we have to be honest that people are being conditioned to whether we want to or not or campaign against it there are much larger companies <laughs> with much much larger marketing budgets and lobbying efforts to be able to move the direction of how people interact with devices and so you know I, I, I kinda look at it as uh, you know we don't want to be assimilated <laughs> with an IT but we definitely have to look at where what they're doing right and how we can stick with it. and I see and I see the document as as a big step in the right direction which is looking at flow and overview and not getting too caught up in terms of how it looks. I mean, when the dashboard came out, I mean, some of our some of our touch panel programs still had only 256 possible colors available. So color theory is kind of easy <laughs> at that point. <laughs> you know, yeah, black or white, and don't mix orange and purple. You know, simple rules. Um, but you'd be surprised yeah. about how many people I think really needed something like that. <laughs> and I agree. I've seen orange and purple on the touch panel with black lettering before. Trust me, it's it's. You know, if, I've seen. If, some, if there were two fifty-five, they used about two fifty. All of it exactly. <laughs> two hundred fifty-five colors by crack. You are getting all of them, sir. Um, and, well, I'd like to uh, and, and, comic, and in Comic Sans font while we're at it. Oh right. <laughs> Well, I just you you bring up something, uh, Richard, about this idea of IT and how we relate to it. I think it's uh, you know it's been a hot topic for a long time, and I got so sick of hearing the word convergence. I'm still sick of it. But 
I realized a long time ago that this idea of assimilation and convergence is really, there's a limit to it for us. Um, there are certain parts of AV design that will never be assimilated into IT, uh, mainly because the expertise required is so vast and different from what the core uh, expertise is that's required for IT functions. Um, and this document, sort of like you say, does the same thing for the AV part. Hopefully it'll give some of the IT environments uh, uh, a view of where they fit into what we do and where we fit into what they do and how that comes together. But in terms of convergence, there's still limits to what uh, can happen and needs to happen in terms of bringing AV into the IT environment. And the environments that I've seen where they've tried to bring AV in or just truly assimilate and take it over, it's been a disaster because they don't have uh, the knowledge and the perspective that we have from the AV side to deal with the things that are audio and video and lighting and acoustics, as well as some of the control aspects that are just way beyond what uh, the expertise is that's required for IT that has to do with the network and uh, network security and big data and all those kinds of things that they're really good at. I would counter, though, with, with the fact that right now, again, we had a 10-year jump from, you know, devices existed, mobile didn't exist 10 years ago when the dashboard came about. I would counter with the fact that right now we're still sort of kind of bet, hedging and betting that we're using copper to transmit our signals or we're using fiber to transmit our signals. The fact is, is that within less than 10 years, and we have to accept the reality, more and more our data is going to be packet-based. It is just going to be information. Right. It is an information transfer. It right. is not a video signal. It's not worrying about the frequency and whether it's going to be at, um, you know, 60 frames, uh, you know, FPS as opposed to a 30 frame FPS. We're not going to be worrying about whether it's a two-channel PCM signal or a multi-channel, um, you know, uh, a, a DTS signal coming down the line. It is going to be a packet. And the fact is that we have to continually look at differentiating ourselves, and I agree with you. There's expertise in what we do, and that always tends to be, you know, I've said it, we, we always have this crisis of confidence. You know, it's like IT is so huge, and we're becoming smaller and smaller, and we don't want to upset them, so <laughs> we stay over on this other side because we don't want, you know, the IT department to say, ah, screw it, we'll just take over AV, and then all of a sudden, you know, all of these companies are out of work. I mean, it's, it's, it's the fear of the sky is falling, you know, because IT will just eat the world. But software is going to eat the world. Software is going to eat the way that we transmit well, the signal. Well, that's true, but what, ha what that means is, and this is what we've talked about for years, is that, yes, I mean, it's already pretty much there in a lot of cases, is that AV is packetized data. But the data part is going from A to D to D to A, and that delivery and transport system, and there's some stuff that happens in the middle that uh, gets it from one place to another. Where we come in as AV people, which differenti differentiates us from the IT people, has to do with what happens at those data jacks at either end of the process or end of the, the wireless path, whatever it is. When it turns into audio, when it turns into video, when it turns into the room and goes into the room, when it turns into a user interface that somebody has to interact with, those are all things that uh, will remain AV specific that are not IT oriented. We have to get into that overlap into the network and understand and interact with it a lot more and the same on the IT side but there are certain limits, I think, to where that uh, can be established to say, this is us and that's them, and we can work together to make it happen, which is the tricky part. But aren't most vendors trying to flatten that curve? I mean, they, I, I mean, again, they, we're, they we're, I mean, we're on the consultant it, but, side, but from a vendor standpoint, if a vendor can say, look, 
yeah, I don't want to take that A to D packet. I want to be able to take a digital input. And at the endpoint where my speaker cluster is, I want that all built in. I just want to plug a Cat5 into the back of the speaker cluster, right. set the delays inside here. So all of a sudden, all of those other layers, the middle layer of where part of our industry comes in, as of, if I were a manufacturer, I would be looking to flatten that curve. Well, so again, I'll, I'll give you an example of how that's a problem because, uh, and because what I think will happen is they may try to, but it'll be a disaster because what I see in the user organizations that I work with looking at the management side of things is that the classic uh, process is the IT guys, whether they have AV or not, is a, an operation in the organization. Somebody wants video conferencing, so they go to the IT department. And they say, oh, we'll get video conferencing because it's just an appliance on the network. So they put in video conferencing, and they have a room that, that's operational. And then either right away or later, things start to go wrong because they didn't address the audio. They didn't address the video. They didn't address the lighting. They didn't address the acoustics. They got a control system that came along with it, which is really awful. I've seen this. I just went on a project recently where they had uh, created – so the um, integrator had created – a user interface that was appropriate enough for a, uh, a larger size screen, like a 10-inch size screen, it was okay, but it didn't really work that well. So the users ended up getting the handheld remotes out and using things like that to run it, and it messed up everything else. And they scaled it down for another room to a little 4.7-inch uh, display that was <laughs> where locked down, where you couldn't read it because of the glare. You know, there's just all these problems. So the IT people called me in on this project to say, we have, we're, we give up, you know, just come help us. So I came in and was able to look through it all and say, okay, this is what happened. It's a classic thing. So I think in examples like that, that's what really highlights that differentiation that I think we will maintain regardless of what the uh, owners and the vendors want to try to do to, to take over what we have and what we, we offer to the, to the process and to the solution. And I, would, and I would say then at that point that this white paper becomes even far more important because it becomes a matter of our industry saying this is how we're different. Yeah. This is why we do what we do. So I, you know, I, and that's really that's kind of my, my, my circling around to this, which is the if we're just – information is only as good as, as the incentive to use it, right? Right. You know, you can come up with the most dazzling piece of documentation, but if there's no incentive to use it, it's just really smart guys who put out a really good piece of, of art. You know, it's cool. You can appreciate it. But if it's not being leveraged industry-wide, then that's the deeper issue at that point. And that's kind of what, where, where I'm coming from this and what Tim was asking me. Is, as an outsider, I'm like, yeah, but it needs to have teeth. I think it's a good first step. But right during this conversation, my first thought was, yeah, this should be part of the CTSD. You know, no, you can't necessarily have a CTSP because you're dealing with multiple manufacturers, multiple ways of doing things, so you can't penalize somebody if they don't use one vendor over the other. But from a design standpoint and an overview standpoint and a structure standpoint, yeah, maybe there's a hybrid classification that says just that. I, you know, and, and the CTSD mostly fits within that, right? To be able to say that, yeah, well, I'm responsible for considering everything that comes within that space. And, and that's a good point is that uh, I think that's another uh, path here that we could discuss is that the the – the thing is, is that AV as a solution is becoming less diverse between what's the AV system, what's the audio and video part, and what's the control part. A lot because of the data component is that you really have to look at them all together at one time, which we've always had to do, but now it's even more important to look at them both at the same time to get the solution to come out like we want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brad, from Infocom's standpoint, as, as we kind of wrap up here, guys, uh, 
to Tim and, and Rich's point, is there something that Infocom can create or start adding some of these components to either the the D or um, I wouldn't necessarily say the I, but you know, some some elementary points to the regular CTS, and then uh, some more uh, advanced functions or advanced um, uh, knowledge base uh, to the CTSD. Uh, well, like I said, that that is the goal of this. Um, you know, it's it wasn't the only purpose of creating a white paper like this, but it is one of the residuals. This this goes right into the knowledge bank, and the people who design those courses and those certifications look at this, can pull it out. I mean, they don't have to pull out the whole white paper either. They can pull out modules of it and say, mm -hmm. you know, this this information about, you know, integrating with building management systems, we really don't touch on that in CTSD right now. And I'm not saying we do or don't, but they could have that conversation and they could start to pluck that kind of information out. And um, the fact that we keep all this electronic and in a knowledge base is important because, you know, we can't wait. 10 more years to address trends and, and control systems designs again. I mean, um, you know, we've got mobile now, but, and the paper alludes to it, you know, there's going to be a lot of control system integration that has nothing to do with anything people touch. I mean, sensor technology uh, is going to be integrated into more and more control systems, so things that's just, things just automatically happen. I mean, I should be able to go into a conference room, and it knows that Brad's there, and it starts to adjust for what it knows is about to happen, what kind of meeting, what kind of presentation, all those kinds of things. Um, so that kind of knowledge just needs to be keep coming up. So we may hit you up again uh, real soon uh, to figure out uh, what are the next challenges that face control systems, and this will all go into the same knowledge bank, and it'll inform all of our training. All right. Well, I will. I will look for that, and maybe this time we'll we'll rope Mr. Fergoza in. So, AV paper two. This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, as as we're wrapping here, is is there something that maybe you wish we would have done or, or covered? Um, or to to Brad's point, you know, um, the second round in maybe a year. I think I just think that there's so much that we could offer that that. And, and I think that this became a lot bigger than probably was first anticipated. But like like Tim said earlier, each of the sections can we could go do do a deeper dive into, and and I think that we could expand into a lot of them. And I and I think it was a very interesting conversation, which which we had to curtail at times about what does the future look like, and 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 we were getting into things that we're not necessarily doing yet, but we anticipate doing. So I think that those are things that we have to be setting ourselves up for and start to document the document them as we start to touch them but uh, you know we've we've uh, certainly explored the fact that we we are living outside of the AV world and outside of of the room and I think that that, that was a big part of this and, and talking about being on the network and talking to different types of systems and mobile I think those were probably the the main influencers uh, but but as, as Brad just said too, the the touchless control, some of us are doing it, but I don't think it's as mainstream as uh, one would think, and and it probably is going to be growing in popularity, and and there's there's going going to be a lot more to that to be able to explore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, that uh, that's going to do it. Um, um, if you're interested in in getting uh, this very paper, uh, Brad, they can just go to the website. Is that right? Uh, yeah, if you go to, yeah, if you go to infocom.org, there's a resources tab in the top right, and if you uh, go under that, there's a there's another link to like articles and white papers, and it's down there in a list. 
Right, it's called the Infocom Modern Approaches to Control System Design. Guys, thanks so much. Mr. Brad Grimes uh, from Infocom, thank you, sir. Thank you. And how can people find more about you or about Infocom? Well, everything's at infocom.org, and I'm on uh, Twitter at bgrimesdc. Um, yeah, that's where I live now. So, yeah, D.C., District of Columbia. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Tim Cape, thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. Glad to be here. Glad we had a chance to talk about all this. Absolutely. Uh, Tim is from uh, Technic Tech. Oh, good lord! It's I a tongue twister. Up. I know. It, it, I got it right the first time. <laughs> Technitech. Uh, and how can people find out more about you? Uh, through the website uh, technitech.com, uh, just like the name that's on the the banner below me. All right. Very good. Uh, my brother Richard Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Thank you, sir. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always fun. You can find me at UncleRichieLosesHisMarbles.com. Uh, <laughs> Did you buy that? Did you seriously buy it? You should buy it. <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> Uh, probably the best ways are the Twitters uh, at our Fragosa. Where, where is uh, there it is. There it is. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, otherwise on the Facebooks, uh, Google Plus, FragosaDesign.com, and uh, other various places. But uh, see, typically type in my name, and somewhere I'll show up. Yeah, see, you, you like a rat. Your... Well, <clears throat> yeah. Uh... <laughs> And he writes for CE Pro and a bunch of other folks. So, uh, Steve Greenblatt, thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, you, you can find uh, my company at controlconcepts.net, and I'm um, on uh, a bunch of social media at Steve Greenblatt and do a little bit of writing here and there for uh, blogs, commercial integrator, AV Nation, and so forth. So. And you have a podcast other than this one. Yes, yes, I, thank you. <laughs> uh, te did, tech did you forget about it or just... Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's just a long list. Uh, yes. te Tech Talk, it's uh, home for technology managers. Uh, check it out at techtalkav.com. And uh, Mark Levecki and I have a podcast that we have some fun with. Yeah, uh, close to my heart because I, I, that's where I came from. Was was uh, I'm an old tech manager. So um, if you want to follow me, it's TD Albright. But more importantly for me and, and everybody here at AV Nation, um, Aviation is not just uh, this chucklehead from St. Louis. There's an awful lot of people who do an awful lot of really good work. Um, go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, this program and a host of others. Uh, we just had a new episode of our debate show called AV Crosstalk. It was Brock McGinnis and, uh, and uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Leonard Suskin debating uh, design build versus uh, design bid. Uh, it was uh, moderated by, uh, by our good friend Tom LeBlanc from Commercial Integrator, so check that out. A bunch of other stuff. Uh, we got some really cool stuff coming up uh, in Infocom. Um, there's a number of us doing different things at different places. Uh, I get to talk uh, with the AVI Systems folks uh, two more times, once in Denver and once uh, in Minneapolis. So if you're in either of those two places, check that, uh, check that out. Uh, Josh Rago uh, from Sound Reason is heading to NAB next week. Uh, for the press conference with Chairman Wheeler um, about net neutrality, uh, and then he's also going to the new uh, the TSNA uh, conference. Um, so yeah, all kinds of really cool stuff. Check it out if you would please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been a State of Control. Mm -hmm.